Tell me Coco. Tell me Coco. <laughs> Welcome, welcome to the next installment of the Yummy Coco Show. This is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches, music, interviews, and games. Oh my goodness. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, aka Colette Prosper. I am a comedy writer and filmmaker on this show. We talk about everything from writing as a parent to swarm. Oh my goodness. I'm on the last episode. Shout out to past Yummy Coco guest, Karen Joseph Adcock, episode 79. She wrote the penultimate episode. Malia Obama is also one of the writers on the show. Kara Brown, who used to be on um, another podcast that I love called Keep It. And she's been focused on TV writing. So really exciting. She's she's writing on that show. Karen Joseph Adcock. Again, wrote the penultimate episode, the one where it's like it's like a true crime black lady detective who basically solves the whole crime that we are watching. Um, Really, you have to see it. It's my recommendation for this week. Are you watching Swarm? And if not, why aren't you? It's on Amazon. I really enjoyed it. It's wacky. It's fun. It's like a comedy slasher show. I'm enjoying it. Anyway, Karen has also worked on The Bear. That's what we talked about in episode 79. But then we also chatted about the second season of Yellow Jackets, which is finally dropping on March 24th. Oh, my God. March 24th. Check it out. I'm super excited for that as well. That, so that's my recommendation for this week. Yellow Jackets and Swarm. And, you know, if you haven't seen the bear, see the bear. But I think everyone's seen the bear. But anyway, definitely check out Swarm. Then watch Yellow Jackets. Uh, do you have a recommendation for me? Email me a voice memo to yummycoco at gmail.com and you will hear your voice on the show giving a recommendation of something that you're really into right now. Are you watching The Glory on Netflix. That was also a past recommendation. Um, but is there something that you're watching right now? The the latest Wu Tang is out. Like, what do you recommend that I check out that I have not seen yet? I I basically watch everything, but do you know something that I don't know? Email me a voice memo. I'd love to hear your voice. So this week I I'm chatting with Klesha Gunsalves about parenting as a writer. But first up, some housekeeping. If you like this show. Give it a rate or review. It's how you can help people to find the show. So no sketch, no additional recommendations this week. Just a straight conversation about writing with Kalisha. She's lovely. I love talking to her. She is in Tribe season two. So you'll hear us talking about Tribe and that's Amy Eniobi's mentorship group. I was in season one. She's in season two. So here we go. Here's my conversation with Klesha Gonsalves. And we're back. Awesome. Let's get into my talk with writer, performer, Klesha Gonsalves. Hey, Klesha. Hey, Colette. How are you? Hi, good. I want to talk to you about parenting as a writer. Uh, this conversation is going to be geared as much to parents of all genders as possible. But obviously today, as birthing parents, we're going to be talking from our viewpoints. So... First up, can I just ask you an icebreaker? Sure, break the ice. Breaking the ice with what would be the most surprising scientific discovery imaginable? In life? Oh, <laughs> um, most surprising 
I feel like it would have to be something about, I don't know why my mind is going here, but like weight loss. Yes. <laughs> like all of the things that we think is what helps us lose weight is actually what's causing us to gain weight or just remain at that like plateau. Um, I just imagine it would be great if like someone discovered that like croissants are great for you. I would love yeah. that. If there's a scientist out there that's working on that. Um, that yeah, that, that, that butter, amazing. that butter is a, is a fat melter. Yes. This whole time we've been doing the wrong things. You don't run away from the oil. You run toward the oil. Yeah. Um, and I would yeah, be happy with just, that discovery. Yes. We should just all be mainlining sugar and that's, and that's the way we should be living. Exactly. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Love someone that. discover that. <laughs> <laughs> Get on that science. <laughs> I want to play a really quick game with you. It's very silly. I love silly. Nod to Pillow Talk in Watch Watch What Happens Live, Andy Cohen. So okay. he gives um, each each uh, guest a, a pillow, and then he asks them like Pillow Talk questions. And it's usually just like, "Are you the big spoon or a little spoon?" But this is a kid's bedtime Pillow Talk. What you know, what happens in a kid's bedtime talk is that like they don't want to go to bed. So what I want to do is, um, you know, imagine it's bedtime. You're trying to get your kid to sleep. They've saved all their 4,000 questions for this very moment. I'm going to give you 60 seconds on the clock to try to answer any or possibly all of these questions that I will ask you. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Mommy, how many times did you smile today? A million. Why do we have different languages? Oh, uh, the truth is we used to all speak the same language and then at some point it broke apart. The reality is that language is beautiful and it's great to be able to connect in different ways. Does a goldfish in a tank think we are all in space? The goldfish is probably thinking that we're in a bigger ocean. How do I know that I'm really alive now and not just my own memory? <laughs> Whose child is this? <laughs> um, <laughs> when I kiss you, does it feel real? Mwah. Why haven't they been able to invent healthy food that tastes as good as fast food? We haven't eaten all the healthy food in the world, okay. so there's still hope. <laughs> That's 60 seconds. OMG. <laughs> Wow. Who's children? These are I not know. my kids. <laughs> um, oh, wow. A couple of them were, were questions that I've been asked and a couple were um, ones that I found online. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, kids, kids got hilarious. questions. Okay. So I want to talk to you about writing. Um, I want to know about your like TV writer origin story. I know that you were born in Brooklyn. You're raised in Florida. You went to Georgetown. You're smarty pants. You were a Disney writers program finalist. You worked with Insecure, Best Man, Reboot producer Dana Lynn North on a project. Um, you are currently in the Sony Diverse Writers program. You know, all incredible attributes. But in addition, was there someone that welcomed you into the industry that helped you in building your network? I mean, it, I don't know that it was necessarily a someone. I feel like there were maybe five or so people that had a hand in me getting where I am, but mm. I will name the most important and I'm saying the most important because um, I know that my career would never have been what it is had I not um, developed a relationship with this woman. And her name is Cheryl Gauntlet Jadrashich. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I'm sorry, Cheryl. Um, but she was the only person that I knew in LA when mm. I moved out here. And producer um, or manager? She was a 
director, but mm-hmm. a director's assistant at the time that I moved out here. Mm-hmm. And um, Cheryl was working on Real Husbands of Hollywood at the time. Oh, and I love that show. Amazing. And she was a, the assistant to the director, Stan Lathan, who is an amazing director. Fantastic. Dad. Yes. It's the Nas dad. Yes. The Nas daddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so um, basically Cheryl knew that there was an opportunity. There was an open position for a writer's PA on Real Husbands. And mm-hmm. she called me up and was just like, hey, Kleisha, are you interested? And I was like, Cheryl, girl, yes. Like, wh- how, like I'll be there today, you know? Yeah. Um, and so she put me in touch with the line producer, Carl Craig. And I met with him and he was like, all right, like, let's give it a try. And I worked my butt off and I was also pregnant at the time. So it was a big deal. It was a really big deal. And I was a tiny pregnant girl. um, So I would just sort of hide under baggy clothes and, you know, not try to draw too much attention to myself. And I was doing the PA job, right? So you're running errands. I was at Popeye's like every other day getting chicken for these guys. Like, it was a lot. Right. And um, they discovered that I was pregnant, actually on set. We were in the in a club shooting a scene and I just I pulled up my maternity pants. Anyone who's ever worn Uh maternity pants knows sometimes the elastic isn't elasticing. And mine was just it kept falling down and I was doing 10,000 steps a day. Like I was I was essentially gaining and losing weight pretty evenly. So my pants are falling down I'm pulling up my pants. And one of the writers was like, Fish, are you Uh-oh. are you pregnant? Oh my god. <laughs> dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. That was all she wrote. And by the end of the day, the whispers, Oh, did you know Clay's pregnant? One of the writers, uh, Johnny Mac, he said, I thought you were just chubby. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean that's <laughs> I was do. It's I was funny and also girl just, look. yes, yeah. Uh huh. So, anyways, that was my first experience. That was my um my real sort of intro and, and foray into scripted TV. Mm-hmm. I did work as a PA on American Idol, but reality and you know scripted are just two different worlds. And so, I definitely, while uh, American Idol was my first show that I ever worked on, Real yeah. Husbands of Hollywood was my first sort of scripted, okay, I'm doing the thing, you know, comedy, just all of the things that I now have grown to love. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I love that show. What a great way to start. Um, you're currently working on um, a really funny, very um, just fun for all ages uh, animated series called Kif, K-I-F-F. It's on Disney+. Plus. Um, what's an unexpected genre for you that you'd love to tackle? unexpected i would say if i'm being honest i would say rom-com right mm-hmm. like i am a cheese ball to the end and something about kiff that's really fun is that we get to do any and everything right so it's episodic you could plop down in the middle of the season and and get a pretty good sense of who the characters are what their motivations are what's at stake it's sort of they're very much um episodes that you can watch sort of in isolation, which is great. So we've gotten a chance to really play. Um, And there is an episode that I wrote coming up. Um, It's called Smoldering. No, it's not called Smoldering Cove. I'm sorry. It's called Soup Opera. Oh, nice. Instead of Soap Opera. um, It's right. And so you already know, it goes into like the soap opera tropes and um, it plays with the idea of love and how crazy love can sometimes be. Um, And I just, I really, I find myself to be a bit of a hopeless romantic. And so having the opportunity to write that episode was really, for me, you know, uh, a a taste of what I hope to be doing in the future, which is, you know, I want to remind people how amazing love is and and, and make it funny, right? Because I think that's the best part, right? Like when we're laughing at ourselves and all of the, random and idiosyncratic ways that we show love or you know the ways that we show up in the world so how does it show up on on the script because we um when you watch the show it's there's you know there's the problem then uh they solve the problem but 
there's also like a song and dance moment. There's kind of a musical moment within the show. So how do you incorporate that in the script? Are you right? Are you writing a, a song? Essentially, like I as mean, part of your episode. I will say our show creators, uh, Nick Small and Lucy Heavens, are absolutely musical geniuses. And Nick used to be in a band. So he's, wow. he's a bit of a rock star. Uh, so they write most of our music. They write the lyrics. They compose the track. They produce it. Um, in addition to the actual person who's working on music on our show, Brad. So we we are blessed, honestly. Um, it's just so a powerhouse. It... and. Mm -hmm. Every other episode has a song. So, yeah. you know, if it's a 60 episode season, we have 30 at least original songs that wow. they're churning out in addition to running the show. It's amazing. And so are you um, writing around the song? Like, okay, we have this song perfect for, for um, soup opera. Can you write that? Like um, this episode needs to work within this for this song. Like, are, I are, you, sometimes, are you thinking about yeah. the song? Uh-huh. I, I am. You usually leave a placeholder in your script. So I would write the entire episode and then maybe say like, and here's where, you know, the, the, you know, fun song comes in or the song of the summer or whatever it is that we are thematically calling the song. Uh -huh. If I have time and I want to play, I'll throw some lyrics in there. They might make the final cut. You never know. I come from a spoken word and poetry background. So yeah. I'm definitely a lyricist. I definitely love a good song. Um, but I mean, Nick and Lucy are so fantastic. You almost don't need to help. It's like yeah. they got that part. I just sometimes do it for fun. We all pitch song ideas for fun. And, you know, it is a silly show. So we just, you want your song to also have that, like the joy and the humor that the show has as well. And so it is a part of the writing, but it's just sort of like a plus. I love this. Um, and then you mentioned spoken word, and it makes me think of Paige's Matam, who is in season one of Tribe with me. Love and Pages. you knew from DC mm -hmm. um, in the spoken word community. And we're, we're all we're all in the same program. You're a season two of Tribe. I'm, I'm season one along with Pages. Yeah, so that, that so it's all like coming together in our conversation. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So who is, so, or, you know, again, we're, we're talking about pages, pages is very exciting, but is there someone else um, that's currently like exciting and inspiring you? I am currently excited and inspired by Phoebe Robinson. Yes. I find her to be so wonderful and love her. I I haven't met her yet. It's on my list of things to do for sure. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like we have similar energies, right? Something mm -hmm. about Phoebe, and I'm speaking as if I know her. I am manifesting my meeting with Phoebe. Yeah, we're manifesting for you. Yes. <laughs> She's amazing. But the thing that she does that I really appreciate and I think is important for us to acknowledge is that Phoebe is ratchet and intelligent simultaneously right yeah she's not afraid to be like hey i might know all of the lyrics to knuck if you buck but also <laughs> like let's sit down and have a conversation about you know feminism or like the plight of the black woman or whatever i just i love that she essentially represents how complex black women are and can be and she's like unapologetic and i love an unapologetic girl so yeah. yeah, Phoebe definitely has been on my radar and um, has been inspiring me. And I, I just finished, you know, binging everything's trash. And so I thought good. the show was so good. And unfortunately, I think it got canceled too early. I don't think it had the opportunity to really develop and find itself. And I think that, you know, that's a that's an unfortunate, you know, occurrence and it happens in our industry. But she was just so much fun to watch and I would <laughs> put her in anything. I will watch. <laughs> right. It, it, it had, um, it had elements of like broad city. It had, uh, and then, yeah. you know, it's, it's a black woman at the center. It's uh, girls. Like there's so many different shows that it reminded me of, but mm -hmm. it, it had her, you know, as you said, intelligent ratchet energy 
I, I loved I love. the show too. It was renewed. It was one of those shows um, that was like renewed, just like how Minx was renewed, mm. but then mm-hmm. quickly canceled. And I had no idea. I thought that it was safe. Um, mm. You know, uh, I just uh, read recently like a league of their own. Um, they've been given an, another season. So they're able right. To but only four episodes. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, so some some shows can make it. It depends on where, on on who's doing it. I don't know, but like, uh, it's really unfortunate. You can't even gamble. You can't yeah. place bets on this anymore because no. you, just, you just don't know. There's so much going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of, that we're not privy to. So, right. But at the same time, it existed. Also, high uh, high high fidelity. Um, kind of mm-hmm. kind of remind me of, and I loved high fidelity yes. too with Zoe Kravitz. Really sad that that didn't that didn't last. Same thing with everything's trash. Like, yeah. Give it a chance, ABC, you know, bring it it on Hulu. I don't know. It doesn't have to be on Freeform. It needs to be on Hulu. That's where it belongs. Tonally and and everything like that, you could just tell. (laughs) That's what I would have done. I'm not an exec, but if I were an exec, that's where I would Yeah, but listen to us execs. So, okay, in addition to be, I love Phoebe Robinson. In addition to being a writer yourself, you also balance family life. I was randomly listening to script notes one day and my ears perked up when I heard your name and you asked a question having to do with parenting as a writer. Um, And it was, it stemmed from uh, an episode, the previous episode with um, Aileen Brosh McKenna. Uh, She was answering a question. Can you refresh my memory? And then also can you talk about the question that you posed to Craig Mazin and John August? Sure. Um, no, I think Aline was actually like, don't tell them. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like, more like her. Yes, girl, don't say nothing. Yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> ask, Aline don't tell. Says, don't ask, don't tell. And um, I think Craig Craig probably has like an 18-year-old at, at, at this point. So he was speaking from the perspective of, you know, a non-gestational parent, a father, but also someone who, is ha- who had their kids you know, uh, a decade and a half ago or so. Right. So right. With I, somebody I, taking care of them. Exactly. Most likely. I mean, the reality is, you know, in the U S we have so many issues, you know, at just at the bottom level, base level about care for our kids and who is technically acceptable as the primary parent and like what mm-hmm. that looks like. And so, you know, when they were having the, the discussion on script notes, I, I was actually pushing my kids home in a wagon. I I walked to pick up my daughter from school, pushing my Mm -hmm. kids home in a wagon. And I just stopped on the side of the road (laughs) because I was like, I need to respond. Even if this just goes in their inbox somewhere and never sees the light of day. I was like, I just should jump in here because I've literally just did this thing. And so I understand. And I thought that they gave really great advice. My only addition was, what I added, which was, hey, you know, you can be early career and be pregnant and be in the room. It, it works. I literally just did it. Mm-hmm. You know, my show just came out. Everyone's been watching it so far, having good things to say. I didn't blow up the room with my baby announcement and having to, like, you know, essentially split myself into two, right? Because you are mm-hmm. always a mom. Yes. That doesn't turn off. You are a mom and a writer, and when you're working from home, you're both at the same time, right? And so um, I just wanted to respond and and explain or kind of express that it is possible, right? The goal Mm -hmm. of my sort of question or, like, addition was, hey, you can start your career and start a family. It's not impossible, it's not easy, but it's not impossible, right? So um, that's sort of where I was going with it. And then I think, you know, the reality is a lot of people have weird expectations about moms. Mm -hmm. Like, does everyone have mommy issues? What's going on? Every mom that I know, and obviously I'm biased, but every mom that I know, they, they tend to be the most 
organized, yes, proactive, yes, like type of people that you'll ever meet because they have to um, juggle, right? Yes, their life is in a constant state of juggling, and I would say that that's basically kind of the almost the benefit of having a mom in a writer's room, right? Like you are getting someone who is like, all right, guys, I'm here. I got two hours before the baby's about to wake up or something like that. And they're like the engine almost like, okay, how do we get this done? What's the emotional beat? What's the story we're trying to tell? Mm -hmm. What's the motivation, right? Because that mom has a checklist. That mom has things to get done. Um, So it's like the amazing race, but like your life. Yes, but your whole life. And so the reality is, you know, I, I just wanted to, to voice that aspect of it. Is that like, Hey, you know, it is so much easier to like be a parent and do your own thing when you're further along in your career. Yes. Um, however, if you are thinking about it, if you're considering it and you're like, Oh, do I have to choose family versus career? The answer is no. You just have to be very, um, explicit about what it is that you need from your room. Mm-hmm. And be on your A game. And that's yeah. it. You were hired because they liked you, because they value you. And you becoming a parent is just a plus. The amount of stories that I bring into the room because I am a mom, right? That is now my perspective. I'm a millennial mom. I'm learning how to become an adult as I'm teaching my kids how to experience and, and, and enjoy their childhood. It's so much fun. And then I come into the room and I'm like, you'll never believe what happened to me today. Or this is something my kids said, and I think it's hilarious and maybe we should put it in the show. Right. And yeah. so I I just, in my head, I'm like, I see no negatives. <laughs> I see none. It's true. But then the employer might see a negative. There is a great weekly subset called room snacks. And for the past few weeks, mm. there's been a really great, um, I don't know if you read it. I do. Okay. Lila, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. Lila Cohan. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. She's been talking about parenting as a writer. And one of the first big questions is, you know, should you tell anyone that you're pregnant or in a fertility treatment while you are currently in a room or even if you are not in a room? Um, and for me, in my experience, I wasn't in a, a writer's room, but I, I was in a writer's job and I was let go a month before my due date. I, I made the mistake of revealing somehow that I was expecting and it was blindsiding. It was over the phone. Like there was not in writing. I'm a freelancer. So it's like I, I had no course of action other than to like just get on unemployment and move on with my life. Um of course, the employer was contesting because it was like a tax thing. She was um, uh, she contested the unemployment. And so I had to like fight her in court. But and that's like horrible. But at the same time, I got to spend time with my baby. I my parents were sick and I, I was taking care of them. So so it's just like I was able to reshift my focus. Um, what's your opinion? So like, are you, I'm, so I'm, I'm of the Aileen Brosh McKenna, don't ask, don't tell. What about you? Hell yeah. Yeah. I am as well. I think there are two sides of it, right? There's two sides of this argument. And I think the first side that we all have to acknowledge is that like, you will miss, you will miss something. It's inevitable. You're going to have either actually leaving to go have the baby, um, or, you know, doctor's appointments, when you when you have a newborn, that mm-hmm. kid has a doctor appointment every other month, right? right. Um, and sometimes more even... depending on, you know, the situation. Exactly. And so, you know, the reality is, you are going to have to split and share your time. Mm-hmm. I would argue, though, that you're going to miss the room for other unknown reasons, if even mm-hmm. if you aren't sort of, you know, newly pregnant or, or dealing with a newborn or anything like that, like, we'll have doctor's appointments. This is a thing that everybody has, right? We'll have dentist appointments. People have, you know, uh, events at the school to for their kids or their god kids or what have you. So there is, there's no scenario where everybody is in the room all the time, every time. 
So I think even removing that expectation is really powerful. And, mm-hmm. you know, Colette, in your scenario, right? Like, you can't say, oh, she fired me because I was pregnant, because you'd have to prove that. And she could just exactly. say, oh, I fired I you because, yeah, you can't. It's it's she... really difficult to prove. Yeah, so while it exactly. is illegal, because the burden of proof is on, is essentially on you, you it's a losing battle. It really mm-hmm. is. And so... Mm-hmm. I, I I say two things. I think the first thing is it is important to understand who your employer is. And if you feel like your employer does not value family and you'll know, you can tell these employers they're, they kind of, they show everything like they, they, they don't hide that, right? You can tell they're yeah. about their job and their work and that is their life. And that is who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. Don't tell that person. <laughs> Don't tell them anything they don't need to know because they are going to decide how you are going to function with that child. And they're going to decide that uh, my my job is not a priority for this person anymore. Now they have a child. And then you end up in a situation where, yeah, you're being fired and you know you're being fired because you're pregnant because right. there was nothing else, but you can't prove it. And so I would just you know, essentially understand who you're working for. That's the first thing. However, if you're in a scenario like I was in where, you know, my showrunners and my show and my head writer mm-hmm. are fantastic people and you could tell, right? You can immediately tell. Um, you, you, you saw how they were with their fr- families. And while not all of them are parents, you could see that they have a love and appreciation for family. And so in my scenario, I, you know, I was up for staffing. I had met on two other staffing jobs before I got the one that I got. Mm -hmm. And no one knew that I was pregnant, as far as I know. When you're on Mm -hmm. Zoom, your shoulders up. Yeah. Can't see my belly from here. And so I, and I also didn't feel like nobody's checking you. So (laughs) I felt like there's no need for me to add this information until it is relevant and i don't know these people and i don't know if they're going to take it and take it and look at it as a negative thing but in my scenario again i thought you know what they seem like really chill family oriented positive people i'm gonna call my head writer the you know the weekend before the room opens right because i do believe in open communication i just believe in timing it correctly right so i called my head writer the weekend before the room opened and i just told him like hey we're having a baby. And he was shocked. Oh, what? Oh, right. As you would expect. But then he was like, I've never been in a writer's room with a mom before. Wow. And this is a family show. It's a family show. My head writer has worked on every possible cartoon that you can think of that you love. Yeah. And he had never worked in a room with a mom before. Right. Wow. And so that just goes to show how much of an issue this is. Right. Right. It's a family and, show. Where are the moms? Right. Right. Where, and where then also the moms? maybe he didn't even know. Like Janelle James. Or I remember he might not her, have known. Yeah. He might not have known because Janelle James and I love her. Um, she's a, a, you know, an actor right now, but a great writer and uh, comedian. And she said that for years, she never told people she had kids. And because of sexism, like she just never said a word. So no one knew that about her life. So it could have been that too. She just woke, she just popped it on the scene one day with a teenager. And they're like, yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I, um, it's so interesting because right, like you're newborn, everyone's thinking, oh, you have a newborn, you're not getting any sleep. So like, you're not gonna be able to work because you're gonna be just tired all the time. My newborn slept most of the day. So I actually had free time. I had had time to to be, you know, working and focusing on what I wanted to do, which was staying in the room. And I think if anybody says I'm a feminist, right, in quotes, I am Mm -hmm. a feminist. And then judges how a mom is operating, how a mom is deciding to with her kids or to not be with her kids, I think uh, I would call BS on them, right? Because at the end yeah. of the day, 
every single situation is different. Every single child is different. And so to sort of group and assume and make assumptions about what that person's experience is going to be or what they should or should not be doing, I think that's just wrong. And, you know, I, I do think some people really, they mean well, right? They, they, they'll say like, oh, well, you must need like, six months off, or you must need, you know, to spend a whole year with your kid and you don't want to do anything else. And the reality is for some moms, that might just be the case. And if that's you, then I think you voice it. You take whatever time you need and you step away. I'll be honest with you. That was not my situation. Mm -hmm. The baby that I had almost two years ago in the, essentially while I was in the writer's room, in the Kif writer's room. Yeah. I, he was my second kid. It wasn't my first rodeo, right? Uh -huh. And so in my mind, I was like, I've done this before. And I know I, I need to work. I know staying at home and only being with my kid is going to drive me crazy. I need and a you had a system. I, I had a system. I, I raised a kid already. I have three younger sisters as well. I helped raise growing up. So mm -hmm. it wasn't a Oh, okay, now that I have this kid, I'm freaking out. Like it's something like it, it was something brand new and 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 this, you know, as if a child is like, you know, something new. People have been having kids for years. Right. <laughs> right? And have the world has not stopped. So yes. Mm -hmm. And if you think about, you know, if you think about back in the day, right, like World War Two, I think. I might be wrong. I'm not a history buff, but World War Two, when all the men had to leave and go yes. away to go fight in the war. What were the women doing? Working. Working. Okay. And I don't believe every woman at that point was like, oh, I'm not pregnant anymore. Or I timed my pregnancy in the right way so that I wouldn't be pregnant or I wouldn't yes. have other responsibilities. You know, like you, you take, you take whatever life is given you and then you deal with it. And I think, you know, we keep forgetting just how, women stepped up to the plate at that moment and, and helped the war effort like tremendously. And then they, the guys came back and they're like, okay, we're back now. You guys can go back home. They were like, what? No, yeah. we like yeah, it because, here. Yeah. You have like the, the fifties housewife and the, all the appliances exactly. and Palmolive dish soap and whatever commercials. <laughs> but yeah, it was just like, yeah, you can, you can go home now, run along. Right. We, we got here. it here. Yeah. And they've been working, you know, building planes, working in fact. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, yes. at this point, women have done it all. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. Exactly. And then also, you know, you have women who are domestic workers as well. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. Raising kids. Um, you know, you think about like the help. I mean, that's like 1950s, but, um, and not like the best uh, movie example, but like, <laughs> But still, it's just like uh, women have to work. Mm -hmm. We yes, we have to take care of our kids. We also have to work, and mm -hmm. we should also, um, you know, be entitled to a job just as someone else. Um, but another right. helpful hint, uh, another helpful tip in room snacks was that uh, she offers the the idea that male parents should also take full leave. You know, she says Agreed. that until you do women become less desirable hires because of the possibility that they might take leave. And it also, you know, of course helps your partner, um, which is something that, um, and I've, I've heard even maybe like my husband say like, Oh man, he's on maternity leave or, or whatever. Like it, mm -hmm. I, not literally him, but like, you know, I can imagine him saying that um, mm -hmm. men are not really used to the idea of them, you know, paternity leave, but Mm -hmm. It is available to them and it does make us look good too. That right. it's not just us. They are parents as well. Exactly. And I think if you're a non-gestational parent, I think Lila is completely correct in this, right? Like there should be a want to have balance, right? It's balance and like justice, some of my core values, right? And I think the, the problem is exactly that, right? When there's only the expectation that the gestational parent is going to need time off. Yeah. And, and, and an assumption that the non-gestational parent is like, oh, yeah, I don't want to spend any time with that kid. Like, I'll see him when he's 15, which is not the case. There's so many amazing 
um, non-gestational parents out there, fathers yes. out there who want and would love to take that time off and, and, and spend time with their kids. Um, and so I, I agree. I a hundred percent agree. I think it does need to be balanced. I think there should be an expectation that if a person is having a child that they can and should and will take the time off. And it's such an American thing. It is like our capitalist society. Like they want, you know, the reality is they want everyone working as much as possible, as often as possible. And other countries are getting work done and still managing to have vacations and still managing to have getting paid family leave. Yeah. Yes. Is the world stopping elsewhere and we're the only ones that are moving forward? Like, no. So I don't, in my mind, it, it, it feels like it's just sort of capitalism at this point. And that's the only thing that's maintaining the way that we have or essentially don't have a lot of time to spend with our kids. And then mm -hmm. we're just, you know, you're wondering why the kids are like trying to figure stuff out on their own. It's like, ah, well, you know, couldn't spend as much time with you as I wanted to because they don't, they don't have paternity leave or my boss expected me to work on the weekends and over the holidays and, you know, things like that. And it's just, it's not right. Right. We should be doing both. We should be, you know, growing our society, you know, and helping out our economy. Yes. People working. I'm all for that, but we mm -hmm. should also be working, working on people, right. People working, but also working on people. That's right. That's right. Um, also just, uh, um, touching on, we were talking about, um, like, don't ask, don't tell. I made them, I made another mistake in my resume. Um, <laughs> I interviewed for two um, assistant jobs, and uh, and so in one assistant job, it was for a TV show, and they um, found because on my resume I have a section of like kind of like fun fun tidbits about me, and one of my fun tidbits along with like can make pizza was that I had a home birth in a like a college dorm. And so I, you know, I have that in my, in my tidbit and they mention it during the, the interview. And it was sort of like, it, it was uncomfortable. Like the way that the, the, the guy asked me, it, it made me feel like, oh shit, I need to remove that immediately once I'm off this phone call, because like it, it othered me, like it made me seem maybe older. It made me seem like, um, like a, a mom, like it made me, it doesn't, it didn't make me seem like assistant material. Mm. Then um, there was another interview where, and I told my family, do not walk in, the doors closed, do not walk <laughs> in this room while I am mm. on Zoom. Of course, my son walks in with a question, you know, one of the 4,000 questions we were, you know, we were talking <laughs> about. So, and then it was just like, oh, you have a kid kind of thing. And it, you know, again, I'm outed, I'm othered and in both situations did not get the job. And it could have been for whatever other reason, vibe, it could have been anything, but in a lot of ways, I feel like it had to do with the mom factor. So, you know, that's just, that was just another thing that I wanted to add, um, before we leave this conversation, because, um, you know, that's just like another way of like, don't ask, don't tell, just like, don't even, don't even mention in your resume, no, just focus on you as children. a story. Don't mention <laughs> the children. Well, I will say the thing that, the thing that jumped out at me in what you were saying is that you were, you were othered in a way that essentially you were aged up. They were like, oh, yeah. she's a mom. Oh, oh, she must be like, like too old to be our assistant. Yeah. Right. They're do 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 do. And oh, she must be too old to be our assistant. So then it this is it opens up a whole nother Pandora's box of like ageism in the industry and Ooh. what is your expectation of your assistants? Is it that they are completely um uh that they have absolutely nothing else going on in their lives and yeah. they the only thing that they are focused on and, and prioritizing is you. And if that's the type of assistant that you're looking for, then chances are that person is actually not someone you would want to work for anyways, because it Definitely. sounds like they treat their regular assistants as a personal assistant, plus, plus, plus. And now you find yourself 
buying Valentine's Day presents for your boss's girlfriend because they forgot dry cleaners, picking up their dog from groomers, whatever you got to do, because now you are at their disposal. And Mm -hmm. so it's very interesting that that's, that that had happened for you. I will say black don't crack. And a lot of people meet me and they're like, how old are you? Like 12, (laughs) you know, 13, let me see your ID. And I'm like, no, actually I'm pushing 30 and I have two kids. And they're like, what? (laughs) What? You know, I, I find it absolutely hilarious because then you're right. It does. It turns the, the wheel a little bit. And now they have a different expectation. And whether it's bad or good, you know, that depends on the person. But it's always sort of a, a shocking thing. Right. I'm, I'm not sure if they're expecting what they expect of moms. I think this is why everything everywhere all at once did so well. Mm-hmm. It was a story about a relationship between a mother and a daughter and how fraught and contentious it was. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, I watched it 15 times. I think that's love that he watched it. He watched it 15 times. But so I'm like, you know what? That's why it won. Because right. secretly, deep down, everybody has their little issues with their mommies. And, you know, it is what it is. So. Yeah, and we, we inhabit so many worlds. And we, we juggle so many things all at once. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, yeah, getting your taxes done while, you know, fighting whatever you know villain at the same time yeah exactly okay so um my last question is that you know you've you rocked it in terms of like um fellowships like you're you're in the sony program right now finalists in disney these are all incredible um i'm finding i just applied for nbc i'm i'm going to be applying to the other ones too like paramount and whatever um, I'm having um, some difficulties, you know, with writing my personal story. Um, do you have any essay tips? Yeah, definitely. I think people go into essay mode from high school English and they're like, here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what I told you. Here, or here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. Then I'm going to tell you then here's what I told you, right? Like that sort of structure. And they forget that we're storytellers, right? So what was your motivating incident? What was your inciting incident that caused you to want to become a a storyteller? How do you classify yourself? How do you identify yourself? What are some struggles that you met along the way? What is a twist or something really interesting or engaging to sort of like bring your story to a climax? And then what is the payoff? What is the resolution? That is how you tell your personal stories. You tell it as if you are telling a story, right? And then you are memorable. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people forget that we are in the business of storytelling. They don't want to read. Um, my story is that, that, you know what I'm saying? It's like, right. it was a, it was a cold winter night and I couldn't find the flashlight and tell them a story. And make sure that it is a story that is true to you and presents some aspect of your personality that would be kind of unexpected, right? Mm-hmm. I used to tell a story about growing up on a farm in Central Florida. And, you know, that was always really interesting to people because I'm like, I'm Brooklyn born, Florida raised. Like, I claim Flo York. Like, in my mm-hmm. mind, I am essentially city girl, country girl, sort of like um, an amalgam of both of those things. And so to be the girl that was like, yeah, from the concrete jungle, like I used to go, you know, to the corner store, like all this stuff. And then also be like, yeah, people rode horses in the middle of the road. I had a pet cow named Dawn, you know, like it's, yeah, it's sort of like finding the things about yourself that are like, oh, snap, like that, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know, or I I would have never expected that to be your story. I think those are the stories that you want to tell. And so, yeah, there is a, there is an importance around like vulnerability. I think that translates into the writer's room as well. You Mm -hmm. don't come in the writer's room and sit there and, you know, tell lies or make up stories, right? You're telling stories from your life and from your experiences. And so getting really good early on about mining your experiences is really important. In fact, Kelly Edwards has a book. It's called The Executive Chair. 
And it's her perspective, you know, an executive perspective. She's a writer now. She's kind of done it all, if I'm being honest. She's amazing. But her perspective and her sort of tips about mining and creating your own personal narrative, right? It's, 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 you realize very quickly that there are so many um, tentpole moments in your life that essentially changed you. And had this thing not happened, you would have been a different person. Those are the moments that you tell stories about. And those are the moments that you mine. And so, yeah, I think, honestly, I think the best thing you can do for yourself, personal essays, is think about the personal and forget the word essay and think story, personal story or personal narrative. And that's that's how I would do it. And that's how I've been doing it. Oh, this is amazing. Thank you so much. How can people find you? I am on Twitter at play underscore underscore enchante, which is like enchant with the E at the end. Um, And meet you. Uh (laughs) Exactly. That's my personality. It's Klaisha. Nice to meet you. Um, I'm also on Instagram at the same name, but my Instagram is private. So you could try to (laughs) message me on there. It's like a toss up whether or not it's open um, just because Again, that's where my family and everything, my pictures yeah. of my kids live. So it's not sort of like come one, come all. But I'm on Twitter at Clay underscore underscore Enchante. Follow me. I uh, would love to connect. And yeah, if you have any more questions about just like being a parent or like starting your parenting journey, like I'm definitely here for that. And if you're early career, if you're like pre-WGA, what have you, and you're like, oh, I want to have a baby, but I also want a job, like we could talk. <laughs> nice. Thank you so much. Um, real quick, what's making you happy these days? Other than my kids, I find joy in popcorn. Nice. <laughs> I'm doing I a sketch. I am an avid popcorn eater. Yeah, I'm doing a sketch, which uh, it's like kind of like a Last of Us sketch, which might involve um, some popcorn on my face to, to make it. the, yeah, to make me look like I have cordyceps on me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my popcorn uh, journey this week, but yes. So, um, love it. I love this interview. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. I'm yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye.